Hey, uh, which class did you pick again for this? Ow! San Papa! Dang, that hurts! Why is there a fence in the lab? It's a gate. Oh, yeah, okay, whatever. Why is there a gate? To keep out the unworthy, of course. Are you calling me unworthy, dog? If the suspiciously unencumbering shoe fits. Encumbrance rules are ridiculous and nobody uses them. Everybody knows that. Because they don't care enough about actually living their character. Yeah, you're blowing this way out of proportion, dude. Or maybe I've just had enough of the way you disrespect the game. What am I disrespecting? Well, for one, you didn't like Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. It not only provided options for both players and DMs, but also expanded on the universe in a way never before realized in the history of the game. Yeah, but then it also tried to introduce a whole new world without devoting enough content for either players or DMs to really get immersed. So, yeah, I mean, like, sure, the guilds were a nice touch, but they each had less text than a section devoted to playing a lizard folk. It's published official content, and that means it's perfect. Wait, is this skit supposed to be about us dunking on gatekeepers or butt-kissers? Honestly, it's getting a little muddy. Well, it was a noble effort. Thanks. Hey, I reworked the theme song to be more pretentious for this bit. Wanna hear? Boot it up. Garen, you ready? It's about to drop. Do it! Dungeons and Dragons. Dan here. I started out in 5e. And me? I was sitting behind the DM screen. Yeah. That was three short years ago. I built a dragonborn fighter with no gusto. Fast forward a year. We're buying supplements and copping brand new gear. Incessantly making characters for one another. The only one who cared, of course, was our brother. Building new characters, score them all day. Each and every week, a brand new baby. How's their melee? How's their range? How's their magic? How controlling? How deranged? That's not a category. Just... Keep going. Uh, I think we were here? Grab a comfy chair and a glass of mead. Another fresh episode in your feed. Other podcasts can be kinda drab. This ain't one, it's the Character Lab. And welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around the one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week, we're bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and scoring against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince the other that our baby is better. Hey, I'm Garen. And I'm a friend to jean shorts everywhere, Dan here. And we're back with another installment of character creation that would never exist if it weren't for the creative people out there in the community. This week, our featured creator is Sir Willie Abneil and his team with their best-selling DMs Guild product, The Book of House. Now, I was hooked right away with the fun characterization of this piece. Love me a good narrator, and Sir House of Barovia of Barovia is a charming man, I'm pretty sure he's a man, that wears a plague doctor's mask and documents the interesting people that he meets on his travels. Now, Sir House, written by Sir Willie, has collected some wonderfully weird races subclasses, backgrounds, and monsters in this 97-page book and paired it up with talented artist renderings. The book actually opens with a Mordenkainen-style chapter detailing the history of the clownish people. The clowns are, effectively, clown or jester people that always have made-up faces and giant shoes. So Dan, it's a shame that you chose to use the song Spooky Circus for my Ombre Roto background because this one would have been perfect for it. Let me take you right into the backstory for this week's character. Every year occurs a gathering of the worshippers of the god Galo, 
on the unused farmland just outside the bustling city of Macondo. Gallo worshipers come together from all over the countryside in a weekend of frivolous celebration, camaraderie, and plenty and plenty of partying. While friendship is abound, there's not always enough goods and services to go around. Plenty of the clan that show up are more interested in having a good time than actually taking care of themselves through the weekend. Luigi may eat, saw this the first weekend at the gathering, and he scraped together a few of the items that he brought with him and started preparing meals to feed the hungry clans in attendance. He never thought to charge for the food, but that would be the last time he made that mistake. When he went back to his clan home in his clan car, he immediately started cobbling together all the items he could to construct himself a project he had in mind for the following year. Just a month shy of the next gathering, his project was complete and he drove to that celebration high atop the heads of the other clans. No longer scrunched in the sweet little clan car, he was now astride a tread-bared behemoth of culinary creations. Only minutes after he opened the shop for the weekend, he had a line around the manure pile that did not stop until it was finally time to close up three days later. His dishes flew off the grill almost faster than he could manage, but fortunately, he was up to the challenge. In subsequent years, the truck became legendary for its mouth-watering concoctions and rare flavors. But that notoriety exploded one year when Gallo Brings Carnival himself showed up at the gathering and demanded to be entertained by those who worship him. Despite their best effort, each in turn was dismissed and subsequently squished no. under his foot because he is a neutral evil god. At last, Luigi May Eat cruised up in his truck did a sick donut right in front of Gallo and threw out a plate of food directly into the god's meaty palms. Gallo took one bite and was positively transported to another plane and therefore left the party alone for the rest of the weekend and Luigi became a hero. So I bring to you Luigi May Eat. He is a level seven barge college of the culinary he is of the clan race, and he is a gallo worshiper background, which, if it wasn't clear, is a take on a juggalo. Very good. Another culinary-focused creation for you, and an interesting name nonetheless. I also have a little bit of a repeat performance here of something that I've already featured in 2019. Let me introduce you to Shimmer. Remember Lolt's underground militia? Well, it certainly is vast, with many roles and responsibilities, and Shimmer, too, is a devout follower of the Almighty Spider Queen. Much like Matrata, who was featured on this show just a couple of months ago, Shimmer is quick to react on his many feet and does quite a job stealthing his way around, even in plain sight, and is a quite skilled weaver of webs. Because of this, Lolth has assigned him to work in the prisons of the Underdark, where enemy combatants are housed, tortured, and sometimes killed. His intimidating presence, ability to effortlessly climb and suspend himself on ceilings, and brute strength in his hands make him an ideal guard in charge of beating the mother-loving stink out of enemy combatants as a means of obtaining information. Most impressively of all, though, last year there was an attempted prison break where Shimmer was stationed, and prisoners used makeshift weapons against Los prison guards. Not only did none of the guards take a single hit, but Shimmer single-handedly, well, more like eight-handedly, slayed them all with his fists. This ability to protect his friends while simultaneously taking on threats has gained Shimmer great standing in the eyes of the Spider Queen herself, and she has bestowed him with a touch of magic to help him should he ever need it again. Shimmer is a level seven Tula, which is a spider folk 
Monk, Way of the Caregiver, with the Golgari agent background, which is out of Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica. So take that, Garen. So this is great. Uh, when I saw these spider-like people in the book, I was immediately reminded of your spider person. Now, do these two spider guys know each other? They do not. Uh, unfortunately, that, that militia is really, really big. I, I just imagine a mass of spiders underground uh, that, that run this militia. And this guy's just kind of a jail guard, while the other guy is an elite militia. Yeah, yeah, he's more of a jail guard. He's a high-ranking jail guard. He has gotten recognition from Lolf herself, so that that's interesting. Okay, that's something. He has a plaque on his wall. Good for him. Well, thank you for introducing us to your character, Dan, but now is the point in the show where we must honor our patron, or we will have bad dreams and worse Eldritch Blasts, and that's why we want to thank Tabletop Loot. Tabletop Loop is full of great products and even more heart. Their store has shirt, mugs, tote bags, and hordes and hordes of dice. What really makes this place special is they regularly support gaming in schools by having sales where every dice set purchased means one will be donated to a school gaming program. And what's more, their dice selection can't be beat. We don't have time to list them all, so for this week, I'm going to highlight one that I thought would be perfect when playing Luigi May Eat. That is the Dragon Fruit. With its pink, green, and white... Not only does it show off that I'm just a good time clown, I can also whip up some tasty brunch. When you click the link in our show notes, use the code LABRAT to get 15% off your total purchase. This works on everything except the Metal Norse Foundry dice. So go grab some fresh loot and give Boring the boot. Thank you, Garen, and Tabletop Loot for that message. Now, if you're just joining us for the first time, this is where I'll explain the show's format. Now, if you are not and you are a seasoned listener, go ahead and skip ahead about 20 seconds. We have nine categories in which we've prepared arguments for. In each, we will state why our character deserves a score between plus two and minus two. A plus two is creating a fun piece with a great narrator like the Book of House, and minus two is totally missing the mark on balance and personality with Jemay Jr.'s Horde of Horses. Now finally, once per show, each of us will be able to force the other one to roll for a score in which we are arguing for as a charisma saving throw using the charisma score of our character. Then at the end of the show, whoever has the most points wins. Now it's melee time. I'll go first with Shimmer. I'm arguing a plus two here. Plus seven to hit with my fists. Deals out 1d6 plus four. Of course, I get three attacks per round. I also have Flurry of Blows, making it four. That's a potential for 40 damage per round at level seven. I think that's worthy of a plus two, don't you, Garen? Ooh. Look, if you're going to get a plus two, I'm going to get a plus one. If you're going to get a plus one, I'm going to get a zero because I am worse than you. But what I do have, and you're going to love this, the... Bard College of Culinary actually has a list of cooking utensils that are proficient as weapons if you take this class of Bard. So I can use a serving plate, which deals 1d6 plus 2 damage, but I can also break that serving plate over somebody and deal 1d10 piercing damage. Of course, I'm losing that serving plate, but I imagine I have a whole bunch of them. And that's just one of the weapons I can use. I am holding one back for the range category, but there is pot, pan, fork, rolling pin. Come on. I know you love a good reskin, Dan. You're not taking away the seriousness of an adventurer, but you are making it a fun spin. And so I think that you flesh this out nicely. I don't really care what score we give each other. I'll go ahead and take a plus one. You take a zero, but agreed that you are slightly weaker, but fun theming. So points for that. Take us into ranged. Thanks to our wonderful listeners. I have a real menu for my food truck. Which, by the way, Luigi May Eats Luigi Mobile is an Adam from Grease Monkey's Handbook. And I know you love that book. And so I am driving a civilian class Adam, which is equipped with a heat ray, of course, to heat things up on the fly, and a battering ram if I need to push through some pushy crowds. Love it. 
and my appetizer, you know, I just opened up with a with a Gorgon Zola apple salad just to get things started, you know, made from real Gorgon. And if you don't like that salad, if that's a little too sweet for you, there's a little bit more of a savory salad with the iceberg lettuce of the beholder salad. And as far as ranged weaponry goes, I have a cleaver, which works as a melee weapon, but can also be thrown 30 feet or 60 feet, 1d4 plus 2. That is called better than nothings. Agreed. Better than nothing. I think we're going to be exchanging a pair of minus ones here. I have a dart with a plus seven to hit. I don't even know how much damage that deals, and I don't really care. <laughs> but it, it exists, and that's what's important for you. <laughs> that's, that's right. Grabbing at darts here. Okay, so it is time to talk magic damage for your monk, and because you haven't already jumped on this category, I'm going to assume that you don't have much. Yeah, so I mean, all hits count as magical with key-empowered strikes, so I'm arguing zero here. Boo! You say minus one? Nope, I said zero. Have you tried Dragon Delight Bites, which are like a steak tip sautéed with onions and mushrooms? Pretty awesome. Sound delicious. I also have the Shatter Spell, and I have a cantrip from this book called Instill Doubt, where the target must make a wisdom save, or they take 2d4, which is my fifth level boost amount of damage, and they can't take any reactions until the end of their next turn. I'm digging it. You got a plus one here? I sure am. Thank you. Moving into control, how controlling is your bard boy? So controlling. He can hold a flumfernutter sandwich without ever dropping it. Wow. So I took the clonish charm feat, which allowed me a couple of bonuses, one of which was the Tasha's hideous laughter at will. Now, here are the rules of this one. I cannot target the same creature twice in 24 hours, which I thought was a really nice balance because they are providing you a spell that you can cast whenever you want as long as you spread it around a bit. I also have a lot of great features as a clan because here's the thing. The team that wrote the book didn't provide any ability score increases for the race, so they can bump it up a little bit extra with features. So one of the ones I have is polymathic. All ability checks with a zero or a plus one are considered plus two before I add proficiency on top of that. Yeah, I've never seen anybody do anything like that. That's cool. And that's only half. The other half of it is, is I can ignore all skill check modifiers that are below zero. And that combined with that jack of all trades is really nice, you know? Which of course, I don't have any negatives because I'm a bard. But if you play a clan that's not a bard, this would come in supremely handy. And I'm just getting started. Let me speed things up a little bit here in control category. I've got a great spell called Philippe's Funny Swap, where I could target two creatures and they must succeed on a wisdom save or they switch places. If both of them succeed, nothing happens. If one of them succeeds, the one that fails switches to the other one's place, takes 2d6 force damage from landing on them, and then goes back to its original place. I also have a racial feature called Rubber Soul, where at third level you choose if you want to take the balloon feature or the stretch feature. I took the stretch feature, and when you use it once per long rest, for the duration, you get advantage on all acrobatics, you are considered to have a running start whenever you want to jump, you have a 10-foot reach for melee combat, or a 15-foot reach if you take disadvantage on the attack, and you can perform minor actions like pushing a button or grabbing something within a reach of 10 feet. I got one more thing for you here, and this is called Prepare a Dish. 
If I expend one of my bardic inspiration during a combat, I start preparing food, and creatures who can smell my food or see it within 15 feet must make a wisdom save against my bard spell save DC. If they fail, they must subtract my proficiency bonus from all of their attack rolls until the start of my next turn. I can use a bonus action to continue this dish. That is some serious battlefield control. You're looking at plus two here, and uh, I'm going to make you roll for it. That's a very fair agreement. I'm going to take one of my favorite D20s. Let me just... I imagine that your clown boy has good charisma, being a bard and all. Actually, you know, I'm going for a pretty unoptimized build. So Luigi only has a plus two to his charisma. So you're saying there's a chance. That's right. I got to get a 15 or better on this one. That's right. The DC for a plus two is 17. And that doesn't matter when I roll a natural 18. Take your plus two. Sweet. For control, I'm arguing a zero. So I've got Stunning Strike, and then the subrace of the Tula that I chose is called Hursuit. It allows me to take one Sorcerer cantrip, so I chose True Strike. Now, I know it would have helped me out in Burninating to take something damage dealing, but I think that getting advantage on three unarmed strike, possibly four, is a pretty good use of a cantrip. I, I, I think that that's pretty optimized there. Also, I have a feat that I took out of this, it's actually a racial feat that I took out of this supplement called Spider Camouflage, and it allows you to tap into your latent spider nimbleness, and you become quick to miss if people aren't careful. You gain the following benefits, which is a plus one to your dex, and also your speed increases by 10 feet, which brings me up to 35 feet, and I also have advantage on stealth checks when standing on walls and ceilings. Pretty cool feat there. Additionally, I have a background feature of the Golgari Agent. Now, this is something that took out of Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica, and it is specialized for a certain guild, but it actually works in this character's backstory quite well. And guys, you don't have to stick to something specific to a guild or, or something like that. If, if, if the background works, especially with things like backgrounds, if it works, plug it in. Nobody knows the difference. But the feature actually is, you know, hidden underground pathways that you can use to bypass crowds, obstacles, and observation as you move through the city. When you aren't in combat, you and companions you lead can travel between any two locations in the city twice as fast as your speed would normally allow. The paths of the Undercity are haunted by dangers that rarely brave the light of the surface world, so your journey is not guaranteed to be safe. Knowing this underground tunnel system would make perfect sense for the spider folk people that Lolth commands. So I, all of this considered, I think a zero is quite fair. Okay, your last point is very nice. I love the way that that blends directly into your backstory, into your character. I want to give bonus lab points to any listener that was listening to that and picked out the same thing that I did. And Dan, True Strike only grants advantage on your next attack roll, not all of them. Oh, oh is that right? Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. You were taking that specifically to give yourself a boost, and it's not as good as you hoped. So, yeah, that would bump you down to a minus one in that category, but there's a lot on that list. Yeah, Stunning Strike is, is really powerful. It's hard to ignore. We can land at a zero because I really thought you were going to be pushing for a one on that. Moving into tankiness, I'm arguing a plus one here. So I've got an AC of 15, 77 hit points, which for a monk at seventh level, really pretty good. Mm -hmm. I've also got evasions, slow fall, stillness of mind, deflect missile, patient defense. Also got something called dedicated body, which now we're getting into the archetype here. This is where I'm going to start getting real excited. So this dedicated body allows you to boost your hit point maximum by three points at third level. And then whenever you gain a monk level thereafter, your hit point maximum increases by an additional one point. So this is like the diet tough feat. Right. Instead of two points, you're getting one. And it's just built right in at third level. So... 
I really like what this brings to the table. And like I said, pretty beefy at 77 hit points for a monk. So I'm liking a plus one here. Okay, pretty solid. It's definitely more than I got. I've got an AC of 13, 56 hit points. But because I'm a clan and I got that rubbery skin, I have resistance to bludgeoning damage, which is a really nice addition. You're speechless. It takes the words right out of your mouth, just like if you tried <laughs> elf pudding. You know, the orc delicacy made from real elves. Oh. It's delicious. Disturbing. So that is a plus one for you and a zero for me. Yeah, in this category, I, I really kind of blow you out of the water. I think we need a, a bigger point differential. I think you're a minus one. I have resistance to one-third of all weapon attacks. I have evasion, slow fall, stillness of mind, deflect missiles, patient defense. No one wants to hear your list twice. Those are all regular boring monk things. I have 21 more hit points than you and uh, two more on my AC. You know what? If it's going to be like that, I'll take my minus one and you're going to roll for your plus one. You got it. Charisma, obviously not a strong suit for our spider folk people uh, in Lulth's army. I think the same was true for Mitrata, so I've got a plus one here. So in order to get that, I'm going to have to roll a 14 or better. Roll a two, so that's not going to happen. Thank you, fates. So I'll take my zero. Why don't you take us into ally assist? All right, Dan, this week our ally assist is going to be brought to you by social media. Uh, we are on Facebook and Twitter every day, and not only can you get previews of the content to come if you follow us there, but it's quickly becoming a great place to contribute to the show, as I have been asking listeners to help me with ideas for my characters like the mounts I rode, or the pirates from last week, or my menu items that I've been rattling off this week. I have a whole list of people to thank for those, and that is Colin Williams, Ryan Peters, Cody Beckwith, Damon Noyes, Aaron Jason, my boy Levi, and Jason Sweetstreets. So guys, head over to Facebook or Twitter and uh, get in on our conversations there. We also post memes, as we've mentioned before, and we like to have conversations about things happening in your games and the characters you make, too. So hope to see you there. And let's talk about Luigi May Eat, because I am still just barely ramping up into these things that he has with this subclass, much like the way a dragon turtle bisque kind of grows in flavor as you eat it. Very rare and expensive treasure. And when my ally assist, of course I have Song of Rest. I have the spell Heroism. Boring. Let's get into the good stuff. When I am cooking, like my prepare a dish ability that I talked about earlier, I am actually making real foods. And as long as I have the ingredients, I can combine up to two different flavors to make a dish. For instance, if I want to make a savory dish and one of my allies eats that savory dish for the duration, they get a plus one to their strength attack rolls. Spicy dish, Olay. plus five to their speed bonus. A con dish, if you're below half your hit point maximum, but above zero at the start of your turn, you regain one hit point. Come on, sour, plus one to AC. Bitter, plus five to perception checks. Salty, plus one to all ability checks. And at six levels when I get the ability to put two of these flavors together. So I am basically creating these full-on dishes that have real value to my party. That is a super cool feature that I'm very excited about. Basically, guys, based on what you build, you're giving your guys bonuses while they're digesting these yummy treats. So it looks like both of our characters this week are really geared towards helping allies. And you could say that Shimmer shimmers quite well in this category he has an ability called protect which at third level allows you to use two abilities when a creature that is an ally of yours is within five feet of you you can actually take the damage on their behalf okay so you could decide to take the attack for them you can use this as many times as you want this isn't an ability that you use once or twice per long rest no if somebody's within five feet of you and they attack an ally of yours 
you can take that on their behalf. Nice. But if it's a ranged attack, you can actually use your deflect missiles. How about brace and repel? If the attack was with a melee weapon, you can expend a key point to reduce the damage that you take from the attack by 1d10 plus your constitution modifier plus your monk level which is a possible reduction of 17 points. And if possible, you can spend an additional key point to then take an attack of opportunity against the offender. That's really cool, but it keeps going. So at sixth level, you don't even need to be within five feet of the person. You can expend a key point to move within range of your ally to use your protect or your attend feature, which I'm going to get to in a second. Now, you can move up to half your move speed, which for me would be about 20 feet, depending on if you want to round up or down. It does not say which in here, so that would be up to your DM. This does not prevent attacks of opportunity, however, so it's not like teleporting. It's just moving and going to your ally. So you can get right into the mix with somebody who's 20 feet away and take an attack right on their behalf. And it does not say that this is a reaction either. So this is pretty powerful stuff. And so the attend feature allows you to take the help action and let you re-roll one of the dice once. Oh. So you can spend a key point to use the help action as a reaction to an adjacent ally attacking or making an ability check too. So that really ally assist focused. I do eke you out a bit in power and utility here. This sort of does remind me of the College of Martyrs Bard a bit, taking damage on behalf of some of the people that are on your team. But I just like that we finally found a monk that's friendly. Plus two here. Yeah, yeah, I could see a plus two for you, plus one for me. I love the way you're taking damage for people and actually getting in the way of the attacks. And we just had a conversation recently about how we always wanted a warden class or something that was heavily defender. And you're not carrying a shield, but otherwise, that's really kind of scratching that itch for me. Sure, sure. And I do like that these abilities, um, if it's a ranged attack, you're still allowed to use your deflect missiles. There's still an ability in there that you can reduce the damage. So a lot of people will be like, yeah, but would you really want to be this altruistic as a monk, given that, you know, your AC is a 15 and you've got 77 hit points. It's not like you're a D12 class. I would counter and say you still have a lot of tools in your toolbox as a monk to avoid damage. And especially with this ability of reducing the damage by a total of 17. That's pretty powerful stuff. Now, if you took the dodge action during your turn and then you use that on your allies when your ally was getting attacked i mean wouldn't that also mean you had the dodge action going on too i would say no because this is not an attack against you you are willingly taking this patient defense allows you to dodge out of the way of an attack made against you sure so, okay i mean this is again going to be a conversation with the dm this is quite novel i'm not seeing anything like this and also because it does not define if it's a reaction or bonus action or anything like that it's just something that you can do i i don't see stacking abilities like that as being uh, appropriate i feel like that would be way too overpowered yeah for sure yeah that that's that's pretty min maxi okay cool very cool so is this a balanced build this week it actually is but here's the thing it has low strength a strength of eight a dexterity of 18 constitution of 14 intelligence of 10 wisdom of 13 and a charisma of 13 strength and dexterity saving throw proficiencies giving you a nice plus seven on that saving throw for dex which Mm. is great plus seven in acrobatics plus three in nature plus seven in stealth and plus four in survival now again for stealth when you are climbing walls or you're on the ceiling you do get advantage on those stealth checks so that's awful nice and a 
passive perception of 11, not the keenest of senses here. I am arguing a plus one just because of the uh, low strength there. That could be a real issue, even though there is the proficiency in strength saving throws that only bumps you up to a plus two on that roll. So I can see that being an issue at points throughout the game. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. I think that's pretty fair. I'm also going to be arguing a plus one. I got a strength of nine. Dex of 14, Con of 12, Intelligence of 13, Wisdom of 11, and Charisma of 15. Of course, Expertise and Jack of All Trades really kind of makes the Clan and the Bard a really perfect fit because I don't have very high ability scores because I didn't get any racial bonuses, and I took a feat which gave me a plus one to Charisma, but on the other hand, all that Bard stuff is making my ability checks really nice. So this actually works out for me as a pretty balanced character. Not excellent numbers, but I don't feel like I am skewed too heavily one way or another. You know, much like the flavor of a Displacer steak, which is very sought after, I mean, literally, because you have to succeed on a perception check to know which plate it's on. You know, agreed with you here that the Klon and the Bard, not only from a mechanic standpoint, marry each other quite well, but the theming and just roleplay opportunities here, I can see a Klon Bard being a match made in heaven. So it would be a lot of fun to play that, but that's obviously going into X Factor, but I can, I can get down with this. Yeah, it's an excellent blend. I'm really enjoying this, and I, I think I, I know where I stand on X-Factor already, but we are getting to the, the final part of our show, the dessert, if you would, and this is where I want to talk about Devil's Delight, which, Dan, you know this cake, the nine-layer cake where each layer represents a different level of hell. I, I love that frozen center, though. It's always oh, perfect. Let me read our charisma scenario submitted by Joshua Slade this week. On your casual afternoon power walk through the park, you hear, Come all and see the mighty Mally. You are intrigued by this super interesting invitation to see some mighty man named Mally. You decide to go to the show, and after getting your tickets and finding go. your seat, you settle in. At first, the show is fairly uninspired and derivative for your fancy tastes. But it's not until the last scene that the mighty Mally reveals his true power. Suddenly, the mighty Mally summons a flock of giant eagles that begin attacking you and the other patrons. What do you do? So, Luigi May Eat thinks, man, this is kind of a bust. I mean, everybody paid for their ticket. What a ripoff that the show has to end in a bloody assault like this. So, I save everyone that I can. That is, everyone that can fit inside of the Leoman's tiny hut that I cast. And we waited out a little bit. I use my clan feet that grants me advantage to make people laugh and I entertain them while I make snacks, which are like my dishes, but each of the snacks provide a different plus two to ability checks and attack rolls for each of the six ability scores. I don't have to list them, you know what they are, but I can prepare a snack perfect for anybody's flavors. And so this doesn't exactly solve the problem, but I think it kind of salvages the day a little bit for at least my party and maybe a few lucky standbys. So I'm gonna ask for a plus one. Hmm. Yeah, I, I can see a plus one here, and I, I'm not sure how mine is going to stack up against you. I was also pulling for a plus one, but uh, yours is a little bit better execution. But I say easy. I would scurry to protect all the people in the crowd with my protect and at-your-service abilities. Taking the damage on their behalf, I would work on a web, and as I am a hirsute sub-race of the Tula, it does allow me to shoot a web from my spinner at a 10-foot cube. So... I can make a protective web, thus protecting us from the combatants, which I think your Leoman's Tiny Hut might do a little bit better of a job. 
I would then, though, burrow into the ground using my background feature to lead all of the patrons in attendance into this underground space and then, of course, navigate them to a safe location because I know where I'm going. Uh, it's going to be up to you here. <laughs> I do like how this background feature fits in, but I don't know how well that web would protect. It does use the web spell. And I'm not quite sure how well that would protect against giant eagles. It, it would really depend on their persistence. <laughs> yeah, they could probably try and claw through that after some time. And like you said, you're only doing a 15-foot cube, so you couldn't get anybody else in that you already had in. So you're saving about the same amount of people as I am. All right. You want to do one for one? I feel like we might be. That sounds fair. So then dealing with this in an aggressive way, you know what? I'd square up with these eagles. You kidding me? Minus two. <laughs> I'd square up with them. As a monk, there's no way I'm not fighting them. You're not going clever. You're just going to fight the eagles. There's no way I am not fighting these eagles. All right. Hey, it's a noble answer, but it is a minus two answer. <laughs> so I have got three more spells right out of Book of House that I'm busting out for this last one. The first one is a cantrip called Talkback, where I can record six seconds of audio that I've heard within 30 feet, and I can hold it for two D4 hours, which is my fifth level boost. So what I do is... I would record him, I would instinctually know to record him as he's saying, Eagles, attack the crowd. And then I play it back, but I say, Eagles, attack the mighty Mally. And I just fill in the rest with my superb bard performance. So the Eagles turn around and attack the mighty Mally. Mm. Meanwhile, I use my stretch ability to jump towards him agilely. Who's saying and that I they do it, though? They, they listen to him, so they would listen to him again. They're just like, oh, he changed his mind. He wants us to attack him. It worked on Home Alone. <laughs> and that's where I'm pretty sure this cantrip came from. All right, fair. Credit card, you <laughs> got it. Fair enough, fair enough. Plus one for the Talkboy reference, yeah. <laughs> I cast Adhesion, which is a spell that basically glues things together for the duration, and I glue his shoes to the ground. So he's being attacked, and now he can't run away. Then I cast Charade, which allows me to perfectly pantomime the actions of a creature that I designate. And I do this in front of him so I can demonstrate to him how stupid he looks as he's being killed by eagles. Wow, that's pretty sinister. Okay, uh, so what are you arguing here? I'll take a one. Yeah, you definitely get a one. All right, Garen, so why don't you go ahead and take us into the X Factor. We, we touched on it a bit with the Clon Bard build, but uh, I'd really like to hear your take on what you would do bringing this into a campaign and, and if this would be something that you would enjoy playing over the long term. Okay, I've seen a lot of touches on the food preparation, especially this is obviously a Bard thing that people like to try and do. And I particularly like this one because all of the different dishes are very inspired. There's real abilities to it. And there's a lot of rules that I didn't get into because I just wanted to talk about the exciting factors. But this is very nicely balanced with how long the effects of the food last, how long it takes to prepare, how long the food keeps after you make it. So a lot of thought went into this. And of course, as I mentioned before, the reskinning of all the serving items and cooking utensils as weapons was just fantastic. Breaking the plate really just, I, I loved it. it. It totally won me over. So... I love this subclass. The clan is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed the fact that they took the chance to give it no ability bonuses and instead try and really flesh it out with these other features. So uh, this is an A-plus in my book. How about you? So one of the only beefs in general with monks, which I have very few, obviously, but is the lack of just ally assist in general. Um, so I'm really happy that we have a pretty solid answer to that complaint in this build. So obviously I would take this through a campaign. There's not many monks I wouldn't, but I wanted to touch on the book a bit because they have a whole race for lycanthropes. 
right? And so they've got all these different options about how building a lycanthrope would work, but they've they've got also transmutation options like a were octopus and a were wasp, which I would really cool, man. A lot of cool stuff in that regard, and it also looks to be fairly balanced after looking at it. Obviously, you know, the player would have to keep track of quite a few other mechanics that would go in place here because they do have some penalties here. Like if you're a lycanthrope, you are cursed. Otherwise, I think this might be a lot of fun to bring into a game just to have as an option. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I read the lycanthrope section and I was so tempted to add that, but there was already so much that I wanted to talk about. So, I mean, maybe the lycanthropes will have to show up on a later episode because that was really appealing and they put a lot of thought into that too. Just really a fun product. And Dan, congratulations on your build and congratulations to me because I beat you five to two this week. So, you know, everybody won. (laughs) That's true. And you guys too can win by picking up this supplement for just $14.99 on DMs Guild. And like we said, you get 95 pages of superb content and it's got that great, great art. And I'm for one so delighted by this because this is a new set of creators that we haven't met before and it's just so well done. Really gets me pumped up for all the stuff that we have yet to discover. Oh yeah, and on that note, Please reach out if you know a product that we have not covered yet but would like to hear about. We're always on the lookout for new community content and actively scheduling episodes right now in June and July already. So feel free to either send us your content for review and consideration on the show or suggest a supplement and we'll reach out directly to those creators. Yes, but do not worry about next week, guys. We've got it covered because we are going to be doing a sequel to another previous episode where we will be outfitting low-level characters with overpowered magic items. We did this before very early in the lab career, but this time we're kicking it up a notch. And if you guys have spent any time in our early episodes, you will know that nothing was really well executed at that time. So we're going to give it the old college (laughs) try and uh, do it again. But until that point in time, which is next Wednesday, just remember, lab rats, when it comes to character creation, it doesn't have to be optimized. It just has to be funsies. Have a great week, guys. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Lab, and all episodes for that matter. Yeah, but if you left this episode just wanting more, you can join us on Patreon for tons of bonus content. At our lowest tier, you can join our Discord and participate in fan battles and have access to all PDF content that we post. You can even chat with us throughout the day. For just a little bit more, you get two bonus episodes a month and access to the entire backlog of fight clubs, monster labs, and special interviews that we've been pumping out since March of 2018. Patrons in the next tier get early access to our regular show, sometimes as much as nine days prior to release date. They also get PDFs of the character sheets for the characters that we've built in the 2019 episodes and beyond, and they can submit a smooth operator or spitting fire charisma scenario that we will use in each and every episode. And our top, top tier patrons get merch a couple times a year, have a chance to submit characters, and can sway the fates with automatic crits and fails on our charisma rolls during the show. At any level, we hope to bring you more fun. We love working on this show and the support of our patrons helps continue to make it better. If you're digging the new audio production that began in 2019, just know that it wouldn't be possible without those that already donate. And we have more plans to beef up the lab and we need your help to do it. But however you support us, we thank you. We hope to have you back next week. Head over to our Facebook and Twitter at DD Character Lab for some previews of what to expect and lots of links to other great community content. Until Wednesday, peace, love, and point by. Shimmer and Shine is a as a Nickelodeon children's show about two little genie girls. Your character just got way less intimidating.